WATD presents John Paul, the car doctor. All things automotive. Have questions? Call 781-837-4900. Now, here's John Paul, the car doctor. Well, good Sunday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program on 95.9 WATD. Yes, it is uh, the day after Earth Day, and I remember my first Earth Day event I went to. It was actually at Gillette Stadium, and uh, I went out there with I went out there to actually test vehicle emissions. It was kind of a weird thing to do, but it was uh, we did it, and it was uh, there was a concert going on, and I snuck up into the press booth where all the like sports press people go, and there was a whole bunch of stuff going on. There was concerts going on. So I snuck up there, and like today, there was a lot of patchy drizzle on that day, as I recall, how many, many years ago. It had to be 35 years ago or something. It was a long time ago that we did that. But anyway, we have, uh, we have, we're going to talk a little bit, kind of focus on environment. And um, AAA has come out with its annual ESG report, and with us is my coworker Lauren Paterno, who's going to tell us a little bit about uh, AAA's efforts in this way. Lauren, good morning, and welcome to the Car Doctor program. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me. And first off, ESG, it's a three-letter acronym I never heard of. I thought it meant extremely stable genius. Uh, but what is ESG? Mm-hmm. ESG stands for Environmental Social Governance, and it basically is a report. This is our first report that we have issued, but it details our efforts and goals basically towards a positive impact on the environment and society as a whole. And uh, it breaks it down into what those three letters mean. So let's let's talk about it a little bit. The E stands for environmental, right? Yes, correct. And what what are we doing as a club to try to help keep the environment as healthy as it can possibly be, I guess. Yeah, so we have a number of goals um, and some steps that we're taking to achieve those goals. So our first overarching goal is to achieve net zero by 2045. And what this means is essentially that we are going, our, our main goal is to get down to as close as possible to zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2045 by taking uh, a few steps to get there. Uh, probably a lot of steps to get there. It's hard work, but uh, we are definitely excited to, to for the work to come. And net zero means just that. It means that whatever we use for energy, instead of having waste afterwards, it sort of balances out, right? Correct. Yep, exactly. And one of the ways we're doing it, and I saw it happen in the last few years as we're working there, and I think a lot of people who've ever lived near construction zones and other places where there's heavy equipment know that diesel engines can be dirty because they see the black soot coming out of the tailpipe if they're not running the way they should. Uh, We're slowly, and not so slowly, really, but we're we're eliminating diesel-powered vehicles from our fleet, right? Yeah, that's correct. So we are about 50% of the way there right now. We've eliminated 50% of our diesel-powered vehicles. And by the end of 2023 and by the start of 2024, we will have eliminated all diesel-powered vehicles. So we're pretty proud. Uh, we And these vehicles will be traded out in the meantime with standard-grade gasoline vehicles. 
that to eliminate this diesel, uh, that we know burns dirtier, and that if you live near a highway, the studies show that it increases asthma rates. You know, we wanted to make sure that we could eliminate uh, these vehicles as, as soon as possible. And I remember I was I was uh, working with a physician, and uh, he was talking about when they were building the big dig in Boston, they saw, uh, because of all the diesel vehicle use uh, that took place during the big dig, they saw uh, uh, cases of children with asthma go way up and it was and it was attributed to the diesel emissions from all these vehicles so for us taking that part taking part in uh eliminating diesel vehicles is certainly healthier for the environment and everybody around the vehicles right absolutely yeah and that's just one step we also have a goal to purchase only electric vehicles for our light service vehicles by 2030 and we're, we're starting that process now. We have about 35 uh, F-150 Lightnings on order, um, which we're hoping to get as soon as we can, unfortunately, with the supply, supply chain issues, which I'm sure many of us are, are familiar with. Uh, we have not yet to receive them, but we're excited to begin the process of integrating those into our fleet as well. Yeah, and, you know, when you think about electric vehicles, I mean, and we have um, we have electric vehicles we're going to try using them in different ways we even have an electric vehicle we're using for our uh driving school now right yes so we have two uh hyundai ionic 5 which we have integrated into our driving school and which is nice from an environmental standpoint to uh start to utilize these vehicles but also from a driver training perspective because there is a little bit of a learning curve with these vehicles and it's good to get people who are interested in an electric vehicle in them so they can get familiar with the technology and how they drive. Or if a parent has a young young teen who uh, they want kind of to get to know the technology as they are, they're thinking about buying it, buying electric. So it's exciting, and, you know, we're proud to have these two vehicles in our, in our fleet in Rhode Island. And the other part of it is, you know, whether we're um, having electric, cars for our driving school or whether they're electric pickup trucks for our light service and light service for people who don't know that means you know changing flat tires delivering gas things like that things that you wouldn't use a tow truck for and someday we may actually have some form of tow truck or ramp truck that's electric but right now the the vehicles just aren't quite there yet um but the, the idea of using these also lets us kind of learn about the technology really firsthand. I mean, you, there's only so much you can read about and learn about, but when you put them to use and uh, we're going to see how they work out, um, typically our uh, our fleets, our fleet of company-owned vehicles may not work 24 hours a day, but they're certainly going to work double shifts. So to see how the double shifts work out, see how battery longevity, it's a, it's a learning experience for us that we're going to share with our members as well, right? Yes, exactly. We're going to have to learn about the range capacity, and we're going to have to learn about how these vehicles uh, can continue to service our members. And we want to ensure that the, the transition is seamless. Uh, and this is going to be a little bit of a pilot to see how these vehicles hold up. Then, can can we, do, you know, do we have the charging? Is the charging there? Is the range there? So uh, it will help inform our business practices and help inform us with the the future orders that we make. And 
and how we're going to integrate these vehicles uh, long term. And it's not just vehicles either. We, we um, after, uh, I think it took about three years to get it finally completed, but we have a, uh, we renovated a kind of a classic old building in Warwick, Rhode Island. And from what I understand, that uh, facility pretty much operates 100% on solar power, right? Yeah, we have two facilities in Rhode Island, in East Providence and the one that you're speaking of in Warwick, Rhode Island, that are equipped to operate on solar uh, and the goal will be to utilize 100% renewable energy by 2035. So we will continue to evaluate our buildings uh, to install solar arrays where, where possible and, you know, really try to lean into renewable energy where that's feasible. Yeah, it, it really does make sense. So I think we covered the E part of ESG. What's, what's the S part? So that is social. That's basically how AAA is supporting our communities and serving our members and really being a support to the to the communities that we serve. And I know uh, for a couple of years, I was on the Massachusetts Charitable Giving Committee. And years ago at AAA, if people wanted to, you know, buy an ad for a, you know, high school sports program or they were looking for a donation, you know, we, we would donate $25 here and maybe $50 there. But we've changed the way we do that. And we've donated, I think, was it somewhere over a half a million dollars to different nonprofits around our club area? Yeah, exactly. We've donated about a half a million dollars to about 170 nonprofits across our five states. Uh, we've also uh, really made a commitment and a strong commitment to volunteerism in, at AAA as well. So not only are we donating uh, financial resources, but our employees get volunteer time off, and that volunteer time time off can be utilized either uh, through club-sponsored events and volunteer opportunities, or through a personal uh, charitable effort, which uh, the individual feels strongly about. Yeah, I know. I was. Uh, I I actually used my time off to uh, clean up a a waterway that was all that was all polluted and had a lot of debris and stuff in it. And uh, went out and went out and did that as part of my part of my paid time off. I also went out and worked with uh, boys and girls clubs, uh, doing some maintenance uh, around their building, painting and cleaning, and um, taking apart one of their vans that was pretty disgustingly dirty inside and cleaned it all up and washed it and got it all looking nice and clean again. So it is kind of nice that we give our employees some time that they get paid. So if, you know, if they take a Thursday or Friday off, I know uh, one of our coworkers, Kayla, uh, works with a local animal shelter and she's, she's a, a very passionate animal person, but she's also a very talented photographer. So she'll go down and take pictures of the animals to try to get really good pictures so the animals get adopted. So it gives employees a way to really kind of look at the things that they value, they care about, but be able to do it kind of on company time, which is kind of neat. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I personally am very proud of these efforts, and I think it goes a long way in the community. We also... uh, participate in the employee match uh, giving opportunity. So this means that if an employee wants to donate some of their own money uh, 
uh, to a uh, whether that's a, a nonprofit that's important to them, uh, for example, a library or another uh, nonprofit that's uh, within their community. So uh, AAA will match up to $500 of, of that donation. So that is huge, and I think AAA matched around $25,000 so far. So pretty significant. So if people are interested in more of this, they can, and, and they want to become part of it, and they go to AAA.com slash careers, and they, maybe, there's a, maybe there's a job that will fit them as well. So that's pretty good. And then finally, the, the G part of ESG, What's that? You know, um, it's really just about continuing to ensure that we are doing our part to operate ethically and being a, a company that acts with integrity and is just a responsible uh, corporate citizen and ensuring that we are protecting uh, member and employee information and data. That's hugely important right now, and we're taking steps to do that. So really just continuing to be a good corporate citizen. So, yeah, I, I guess what, and what you said, you know, be able to protect our employees' data. I mean, we all have to take these classes about, you know, making sure you don't open the wrong email and all that kind of thing. The program that was on before us uh, talked about how um, people had some accounts hacked and different things. And we really go through, and, and I sometimes joke with the IT people, you put so many kind of things in place it makes it hard for us to do our job sometimes but they also said yeah we do that on purpose to protect our company's data and more importantly you know part of that is our members data to make sure it's safe and secure and you know is at least at like bank level security so that's really important but we also want to make sure that we sort of look like the communities we serve right we um you know part of it is is about that sort of diversity part as well right absolutely and you know one thing that i think we simply particularly in our department of public affairs is reaching out to Spanish-speaking communities. We now have uh, Spanish spokespeople in every state, um, and we're reaching out to Spanish-speaking communities, and not only to, you know, in terms of our AAA uh, offerings, but our traffic safety messaging. So all of our traffic safety messaging is now being translated into Spanish as well. So we're really trying to get our traffic safety messaging to a wider community, and, and this is very important. We're proud of the work that we've done in this area. Yeah, it, it really, it's, it's, I think it's really sort of interesting. I've been at AAA for a lifetime, and to see how that we have changed from the map and tow company to, and, and we've always been, part of the community because we're out there providing towing and you know way back when maps and all those kind of things but how we've kind of branched out and how we it just seems like we care more about the communities we service than we ever have and it's not just pretend caring it's not it's not it's not um what's the term astroturfing where you sort of pretend like you're doing something but not really doing it. You know, our boss, John Galvin, really does care about the community and the employees and the and the people that we work with. Absolutely. It's definitely not disingenuine at all. Uh, I recently uh, had an opportunity to listen to a Q&A with John Galvin, and, you know, and I think this speaks speaks volumes to the company. He said the most important uh, 
asset to an organization is its people. And he really, from the top, shows that. And uh, people come first, and our communities and our members come first. And, uh, you know, for, for me as an employee, that, that feels good. And, and I, I can recognize that as an employee. And I'm, I'm proud to even just share uh, the information in the report because it is, it is our efforts. And we are, we are trying and doing to have a positive impact either in the environment, on the environment, or within our community. Yeah, I, I know even from the towing side and the road service side, you know, we, we, we do something called EMS, and uh, another three-letter acronym, and but it, it really talks about the safety of being on the roadway, and it's the employee safety first, the member safety, and then the service. So what we try to do is we try to protect our employees who in turn protect our members, and then we provide the service. And, you know, if we have to tow them out of a dangerous situation to change a flat tire uh, where it's safer, that's that's the way we do it. And we make sure that our, our trucks and our drivers have all the safety equipment they need to be able to do it. So it, it is, it is uh, pretty amazing how... You know, we we kind of went from doing something simple as you know we were the towing company, we were the we were the map company, to being involved and and really focusing on everything that people don't really think about. If people want more information, if and this is a public report, people can read the report. Where do they go to find it? They should visit uh, aaa.com/esg. Simple enough, aaa.com slash ESG, and they can learn more about the ESG report. And if they have if they have questions in there, they can. I'm sure it's a pretty it's a pretty thorough report that everybody put together, and uh, they can they can learn a lot about the really I think the fabric of AAA and and sort of what we care about at this point. And at the same point, if they're interested in maybe all these things really kind of click with them. Uh, and if they want to come to work for with us, even better because uh, you know they, they might find that we're like-minded and you know it's it's fun stuff. And they can go to AAA.com/careers and find a job at the same time. Lauren, I want to thank you for taking a little time out of your Sunday morning and locking your kids and your husband in the basement so they don't. They actually at the grocery store. Yeah. So, uh, but but uh, uh, it was it was great having you on the program, and uh, maybe we can do it again sometime. Yes, thanks so much for having me today. All right, take care, Lauren. Bye bye. We need to take bye-bye. a break, and pay some bills. My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor program. You're listening on ninety five nine WATD. When we come back, we actually have a uh, an interview. I had a chance to uh, talk with somebody from Lincoln about the all new Lincoln Nautilus that's going to be out. Uh, maybe we'll do that when we come back. Also, we have a car review of the Kia Telluride sort of everybody's favorite SUV. We have that coming up uh, as well. And, of course, your calls and comments, you can give us a call and talk to us about what's on your mind, about the automotive industry, whatever's on your mind. You can give us a call at 781-837-4900. My name's John Paul. This is a Car Doctor program. You're listening on 95.9 WATD. We'll be right back. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour, 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com slash join. 
Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the Car Doctor program on 95.9 WATD. Uh, like I said, we have um, we have a chance, uh, and it was, and uh, I used to try to trick the audience into thinking that, you know, we had a taped interview and it was live, but it isn't. It's a taped interview, and people are smart enough to know. But I had the opportunity to talk with uh, Jake Isaac. He is Lincoln Nautilus's brand manager, and uh, the Nautilus is brand new for. 2024 and i asked jake to tell us a little bit about it that's right uh john we this is completely redesigned uh from the ground up inside and out um so this this all new nautilus is um our next expression of what quiet flight will look like for the lincoln brand um it is uh absolutely beautifully sculpted um a little more bolder of a design um, more youthful in its stance, um, also two inches wider, two inches taller, and two inches longer from the outgoing model. So a lot more spacious in cabin. Um, when you get in the cabin, the first thing you'll notice is the expansive display, which is going to be the largest in the segment. Um, and the display is paired with an 11.1-inch center stack touchscreen uh, that serves as a control center. So a lot of great features and technology in this vehicle um, that our customers are going to love. And speaking of some of the technology, one number that sort of almost shocked me a little bit, 28 speakers in this car? Yeah, so that is our um, ultimate speaker package, which is a Rebel Ultima 3D speaker package. Uh, Like you said, 28 speakers, immersive surround sound, um, and a sound experience that's unlike anything uh, our customers have heard before. I'm old enough to remember when it was a big deal when I put a second speaker in a car. So 28 speakers is <laughs> pretty amazing. And the other the other uh, number that was pretty amazing, too, is, and Lincoln, I think, really has captured this as some of the most comfortable seats on the market, 24-position uh, uh, driver's seat. Yep, 24-way perfect position seats uh, with massage. Um, these seats are, as you said, the most comfortable that I've ever sat in. Um, they, uh, they even come with thigh extenders so that your thighs are, uh, the, so the seat hits up to your knee to maximize comfort. Um, also, the seat material is just incredibly supple to the touch. Uh, beautiful, beautiful designs. Um, and, yeah, it is, uh, it is something that really takes sanctuary to the next level for us. And, you know, on that same tech line, uh, Blue Cruise 1.2, uh, we're getting – much closer to semi-autonomous driving in the 2024 Nautilus, right? Yeah, I, Blue Cruise is a big deal for us. Um, as as many people have heard and known, you know, Blue Cruise has been recognized by Consumer Reports as the best uh, hands-free driving feature in the industry. Um, with Blue Cruise 1.2, we're taking it even further. Um, so while you still get that great hands-free, eyes-on-the-road uh, driving experience on the highway, on approved highways, um, 1.2 offers features like lane change assist, um, which is when you you know you can put your turn indicator on, and the vehicle will actually shift to the other lane once it deems safe to do so, um, without further driver input. And you know, in lane repositioning as well uh, makes the car feel more like a human's driving it. So, for example, when you're passing a, a big semi truck uh, as as a human being driving the vehicle, uh, our our intention is to get into the left side of the lane to make maximize space between that truck uh, and your car. Um, and that's what in-lane repositioning does. It, it makes the car feel more like a human is driving it. 
Oh, that's real. That's real interesting because I know in some other cars it it almost seemed like it was a little too too close in the center for the way that I would normally drive. And you're right, that's the way most humans drive and not the way machines drive. But there is a little bit of machine in this. Uh, there's some. There's an interface with Alexa uh, with the new Nautilus. Yeah, not only Alexa. So Alexa built in obviously uh, is is something that customers use today to control smart home devices. Now Alexa built in on Nautilus, you'll be able to control some vehicle functions as well. Um, all, also offer wireless uh, Apple CarPlay and Android Auto with enhanced voice connectivity, um, and as well it, it, on this immersive display that we uh, that we're calling our in vehicle digital experience. Clients will have a choice to ma ma uh, maximize their content, uh, ma make themselves more productive, and offer levels of customization they haven't seen before. So, for example, um, on the right side of this display that spans from pillar to pillar, customers, uh, clients have a choice to put content um, on that screen, whether it's radio, trip information, uh, media, uh, or weather, just to name a few. So, we're providing customers the ultimate level of choice to maximize their information they're seeing um, on their display. And we can't talk about a new model without a new engine and uh, pretty gutsy underhood performance uh, with the new Nautilus, right? Absolutely. Uh, the two powertrain options that we're offering are, uh, we're really excited to offer them. So we'll, we offer a two liter turbocharged gas engine um, and also a two liter turbocharged hybrid engine. Um, we know that clients want choice. Um, and this new hybrid offering that we're bringing to market uh, produces 310 horsepower of combined uh, combined horsepower. Um, so it is a, a, a hybrid that is uh, does not compromise any performance, um, and it, it is really, really going to take quiet flight and that feeling of gliding in your vehicle to the next level. Well, it sounds like the uh, 2024 <laughs> Nautilus is quite the vehicle. When will consumers be able to see it? So you can go to Lincoln.com right now to get all of the new information on the 2024 Nautilus. Also, ordering is open as well, so clients can go to their local retailer to submit a retail order or go on build-in price and configure a vehicle themselves online. And when will uh, job one happen with the vehicle? So the uh, vehicles are expected to arrive in early 2024, um, so we'll have a lot, of, a lot of more details to share between now and then on this exciting new product. Fantastic. Thanks for taking a little time out and joining me on the Car Doctor program. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Jake Isaac, the Lincoln Nautilus brand manager, telling us about the all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus. Uh, sounds like it's going to be quite the vehicle. And, Jesse, 28 speakers in the vehicle? What do you think? Not as good as 29, but, I mean, uh, sounds pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I you kind of wonder where they put them all. That's a lot of speakers to go in one vehicle. So, how big is uh, it? It's it's a it's kind of a compactish. It's you know smaller smaller than a bread box. You know it's a it's a, it's it's not a huge vehicle. So it's and it's uh, you know looks like it's going to be kind of fun. So uh, we'll have to we'll have to find out more more about it and see what it really is as it starts to come out. So just imagine it the is car doctor program coming at you from all those angles at once that's sort of dream come true yeah uh, maybe for some people but but i mean it's a, it's it's kind of a i don't I, you know i actually don't know is it it's a i mean in previous life it was a two-row uh suv it's uh you know it's not a it's not a huge vehicle so it's uh you know it's just it's 
I think for a lot of people, it's just the right vehicle. So it's kind of, you know, the Ford Edge maybe probably, you know, competitive with, um, I don't know, smaller, smaller than smaller than an Explorer. You know, so it's not a big vehicle. But the idea that it has, you know, 25-way adjustable seats, you know, for people that, and that's way too many adjustments for me, by the way. I kind of like a seat that has, Oh, maybe two or three adjustments because it's it, that infinite number of adjustments. I, I don't know. I can't. I can't find the right, right mix for me. But uh, maybe it's just I'm a. I'm. I'm a basic person. Maybe that's. Maybe that's what. It yeah, is. I kind of so, just find my setting and leave it there for an eternity. Yeah. So unless you get yeah. some real tall people, I don't know. I don't even know any tall people. So really, you know, none. No, well, really, separated myself from those kind of people. I think the question that everyone wants to know is how does it handle in patchy drizzle. Oh, uh, that was, uh, you know, it does have this blue cruise feature, which, you know, can pretty much drive itself. So maybe it can drive through the next four days of patchy drizzle. Wow, that's impressive. It is. Speaking of impressive, uh, the vehicle that you drove recently was the uh, 2023 Kia Telluride. And that is a vehicle that, well, I guess you could go over to, you know, Quirk right here in Marshfield and you could go buy one but the it's the mid-sized SUV is one of the most popular vehicle classes of the past 20 years and our buddy Sam Fiorani I talked to him the other day and said um, and he works he's a VP at Global Vehicle Forecast or he's the VP of Global Vehicle Forecasting for Auto Forecast Solutions and we're going to have to get them back to talk about his thoughts on the automotive industry and all that kind of stuff. But he said there was 2.76 million midsize SUVs sold last year in the United States. That translates to, in case you wanted to do the math, 7,562 vehicles per day sold. So 7,562 people bought midsize SUVs every single day in the, in the United States last year. So that's a lot of, that's, the idea of selling, you know, 7,500 of anything per day is a lot. Uh, so, you know, this vehicle, you know, there's pretty much a model for everybody. And the newest entry from Kia, the Telluride, uh, which hit the market uh, a few years ago, there are 11 trim levels, front or rear wheel drive. Uh, we tested uh, the pretty well-equipped seven-passenger top-of-the-line all-wheel drive SD Prestige. Uh, the Telluride impresses. I mean, it's just, it's a good vehicle. It's smooth. It's quiet. It has reasonably precise handling. It's not a sports car. It doesn't pretend to be. Uh, but it handles good, especially for an SUV, which, you know, I think SUVs don't handle that good. This one handles pretty well. And some vehicles uh, drive bigger than their actual size. Some vehicles drive smaller than their actual size. This vehicle feels smaller than its actual size. It looks like a pretty good-sized vehicle, but when you drive it, it actually feels pretty maneuverable, and um, I kind of like it. The steering is light at uh, low speeds for, like, parking lot maneuvers, and it steadily adds a weighted feel as the speed increases. So when you're out on the highway, it actually feels like you just feels more connected to the road, and um, that's some electronic trickery that didn't work well a few years ago, but it seems to work really well in this. Kia continues to use kind of a traditional V6 engine, normally aspirated, no fancy four-cylinder turbocharged. The, the V6 engine in this makes 300 horsepower. Uh, the design uh, provides certainly more than enough acceleration to reach 60 miles an hour. It takes about 
seven seconds, according to Kia's own website. The trade-off in this traditional design, yeah, maybe fuel economy. Uh, EPA says 18 city, 24 miles to the gallon out on the highway. Um, my driving mostly now is city driving. I got about 20 miles per gallon. Uh, the interior of the Telluride is uh, dominated by this 12.3-inch uh, panoramic display with navigation, surround view monitors, heads-up display. I mean, it has all the technologies, top-of-the-line model, so it has all the technology. The major controls are well-placed and offer minimal distractions. I really, Kia, I hope they don't screw it up. But Kia has done a really good job of keeping a good amount of knobs and buttons. And I'm driving a car, we'll talk about uh, this car next week, that has this ridiculous amount of buttons, I mean, ridiculous amount of touchscreen controls. And now it has voice command in that one, um, but it just has a dizzying amount of things. And, and on the vehicle I'm going to talk about next week, um, to, to even change the climate control settings, you have to go into the display. It's just, it's it's annoying. Kia did a great job keeping knobs and buttons to do some of the major controls, so it works really well. Uh, there's a wireless phone charger, rear seat alert, so if you leave your kid, your dog, your packages, whatever it is in the back seat, it tells you to look in the back seat. And it has ultrasonic sensors to know there's somebody really back there. Heated steering wheel, heated and cool, power adjustable front seats. Uh, the X-Line package, which we drove, offers more ground clearance. A little bit, not a lot. Uh, standard 20-inch wheels, roof rails, tow package, self-leveling suspension. So if you're thinking about towing a boat or a camping trailer, uh, maybe move up to the X-Line package so you get the self-leveling suspension kind of handy. Uh, the seats are very supportive and comfortable. There's a large sunroof that adds this open-air feel. Even adults will find the second-row seat comfortable. Third row, better suited for kids. Um, Adults back there will feel a little cramped. I mean, it could work if you have to do it. But uh, cargo space, pretty good. 21 cubic feet with all the seats in use, 46 cubic feet with the third row folded. And in a pretty admirable 87 cubic feet with all the seats folded down. So if you're going to the home improvement store and buying all kinds of stuff, there's plenty of room to stack it all in the back. So, so for, someone, also a, for someone like me with the people that I associate with, not associating with any the tall short, people the short whatsoever, people. we would yeah. all comfortably fit in this vehicle. You, you may, it. you may. So, uh, but at least your kids would be. That's true. Yeah, yeah. So they could all fit back there. So, uh, but there's even, um, you know, there's even a 120 volt outlet. So if you want to keep your stuff all charged up, your laptop, your tablets, um, you know, even if you had some sort of other things, cordless tools you need to charge up, but you know, do it off the 120 volt outlet, kind of handy. Um, and um, you know, it's got all the safety features: uh, forward collision avoidance, um, which even works uh, with uh, things like bicycles and stuff. So, uh, and turning left through an intersection. If you're turning left and you kind of miss something, the forward collision warning will let you know about it. Uh, safe exit assist, which means you don't open the door and knock down a bike rider, so which is never a good thing. Uh, reverse parking sensors. It's a really easy vehicle to drive, even with all the technology. I think overall the Kia Telluride is a good choice if you're looking for a mid-size SUV with uh, towing capacity of 5,000 pounds. It's a practical vehicle for family road trips. Uh, the combination of stylish design, comfortable interior, and a great suite of safety features and convenience technology makes the Kia Telluride one of the top mid-sized SUVs in the market. It's really, it's they just did a really good job with it. And um, 
So it, I guess I have a question be, for you. The, these plug situations, like the 12 volt or whatever, if you're gonna take it camping, obviously that'd be something something good or tailgating. Is that pulling power directly off the battery? Do you have to run the car, or do you have to worry about absolutely just destroying your battery if you try to plug in something? You can overnight? you can on on a on the 120 volt on the house current one. Uh, the vehicle needs to run because it can run for a little bit, a short period of time, and it'll tell you start up the car to keep the battery charged. So okay, yeah, so you, running yeah, the vehicle while it's yeah, running. Yeah, that's that that is you can you have to balance it out. So you can do it for a little while, but it's ideal. Really, if you're driving and there's stuff that you need to plug in, like your laptop, you want to charge up the battery or or stuff like that. So it's uh, it's handy for that. But yeah, you can you can use it tailgating and not run the car. But eventually, it'll it'll give you a warning that says, "Hey, it's time to start up the car. You're you're taking too much out of the battery." Mm-hmm. So and have they tweaked yep. this technology to where you're not burning through alternators or anything like that? If you know yeah. you're using that yeah. feature frequently, yeah, yeah, because they they use they use a uh, heavy duty battery. And uh, and an alternate is capable of keeping that battery charged up. So yes, they do. Pretty cool. I wish yeah. my vehicle had that feature. Uh, well, if you're uh, you know if you're doing some stuff that uh, you know it's not like it's not like um, some of the like Ford uh, F one fifty hybrid uh, pickup truck. You can actually run two hundred and forty volts, providing you leave the engine running. It runs off the battery for a little while, but um, you can run pretty substantial electric current out of it this is you know pretty pretty low in that scheme of things it's only 110 volts so it's not meant for it's not meant for a you know big heavy electric motors but it's enough to you know keep keep most most things keep the laptop charged yeah exactly or um Say you're headed somewhere and you have some cordless tools you want to charge up because you're going out to do a project somewhere. You can plug it in and at least plug the charger in and know that when you get there, you're going to have a fully charged up battery in your cordless drill or whatever the case is. So, again, kind of a handy little item to have, uh, uh, you know, in the vehicle. And, again, it's this is a, this is... A, you know everybody's favorite choice. I remember when we were talking with Mike Quincy from Consumer Reports back a few weeks ago. He was like, "This is you know same way. This is this is uh, this is everybody's favorite vehicle right now." So, and I guess if you if you want to go get one, go see the folks over at Quark. They can probably set you up. Maybe, other things maybe. in. Other things in the news, and again, if you want to join us, our phone number is 781-837-4900. Uh, GM came up with a kind of interesting idea. People people get sort of frustrated with bright headlights, but windshield visors can help block a moment of glaring sun. But General Motors has a more comprehensive technology in mind for controlling glare night and day, the auto-dimming windshield. GM has filed a patent application for an auto-dimming windshield that would prevent the driver from being blinded by bright lights of oncoming vehicles at night. Jesse, didn't you suggest this a couple weeks ago? What was it? Uh, auto-dimming windshield. Didn't I don't think I did, but I'm like a, it's so, hard, credit, to, take, it's so take, hard to keep track of all of my genius ideas. Yeah. But I, I kind of think you might have said, you know, how come there isn't, automatic dimming windshields. I thought thought it was you. But anyway, the system would detect the oncoming headlights brightness and if uh, it exceeds a certain certain threshold, a section of the windshield would automatically be dimmed. The technology could reduce driver distraction and make the road ahead 
clearer. Uh, patented innovations do not necessarily graduate to mass production, as it says here. However, GM's idea of having evolving glass functionality signals the automakers are rethinking the design of their most basic components. Uh, so kind of kind of interesting that, I, and I remember talking years ago with the people from, I think it's called Gentex, which is a company that makes dimmable rearview mirrors and stuff like that. And their quote was, if it's made out of glass, we can dim it. So the idea that they can have some sort of um, dimmable glass in the windshield is certainly a way to be able to fight glare. There, There is new headline, headlight designs that are coming to the United States that have been up till now prohibited. And one of the reasons they have been prohibited because you needed to have low and high beams. Well, there's a design that's been used in Europe in Audis for, I don't know, past four or five years. And it's a series of lights and there's no specific high beam. They're bright until they don't need to be bright. So if there is a car coming in the other direction, segments of the light dim to where there's no glare or no bright lights hitting the vehicle coming the other way, but yet three-quarters of the car is still showing bright lights down the side of the road and maybe down the middle of the road. So we're seeing that technology coming now, and that was something that AAA and some other safety groups worked to try to get what is basically a pretty archaic headlight standard that we've been fighting with for a lot of years. So we have uh, we have new headlights coming, and hopefully, you know, we had... You know, in the early days, we had plain old regular seal beams. Then we went to halogen headlights. And I remember people complained about halogen headlights. They were too bright. They were too yellowish. They were too... People... Well, what happened was halogen bulbs were cheap. So when people went in and burnt out a headlight, you know, people said, oh, did you want to put the halogens in? And they're like... And after a while, everybody had halogen lights and nobody noticed any difference. Then we had high-intensity discharge lights or xenon headlights. Uh, people loved them when they were driving, hated them when they were coming in the other direction. If you're listening right now and you hate bright headlights, uh, give us a call at 781-837-4900. But if you've driven with these LEDs or laser or uh, xenon headlights, they are pretty. they are pretty amazing. And I would say that um, some of the headlight designs coming from BMW now are probably as good as you can get. They shine a lot of light, but they don't seem to have a lot of glare. They seem very well focused, and I think we're going to see better headlights rather than just brighter headlights. The other part that um, you're able to, and we talked to the folks from Sylvania about headlights before, about LED conversions, converting regular headlights to LEDs makes a really white light. It isn't well-focused, though, because those headlight reflectors were never meant for LED bulbs. They're meant for a very specific design bulb that uh, reflects in a certain way. And when you put LED bulbs in, all of a sudden you get all this weird dazzle and, and, and weird light. Yeah, if you turn them on, you're like, look how much brighter they are. But you're actually blinding oncoming traffic, which is why converting regular headlights to LED headlights is, is actually illegal. Um, the headlights say not for on-road use, uh, which is why major manufacturers like GE and Sylvania don't sell LED replacement headlight bulbs. You buy those on the Internet, and they come from companies you've probably never heard of before. So um, that's one of the reasons we're starting to see that. So... Um, so having the self-dimming windshield, when people have a pickup truck that's jacked way up with real high lights in it, maybe the idea of a self-dimming.
giving windshields kind of a kind of a neat thing. The other weird thing, and this is this to me is weird. Um, steering wheels that don't look like steering wheels, and I think Tesla has this kind of yoke-style steering wheel, but drivers have become accustomed to touchscreens replacing knobs. No, they have not, but it says so in this article. But steering wheels have also become, also still have clunky buttons and rollers to get away from that. Auto designers are looking to integrate higher-tech switches from the steering wheel that perform like an iPhone and offer increased functionality, which is task suppliers with reimagining steering wheels. Really? For example, uh, a company called Joyson Safety Systems is proposing a single piece of gapless steering wheel cover that will allow automakers to add touch-based multifunction controls while eliminating button stocks and other levers that clutter the area in front of the driver. Suppliers uh, indicate that by integrating controls into steering wheels uh, as they manufacture future versions can be flatter, giving the driver a clearer viewpoint and making for a less obtrusive design in the interior. Yeah, it's a good design, but I want to be able to feel the buttons on the steering wheel to know that, oh, this is the volume knob. This is something else. So, um, you know, I want to be able to know that kind of stuff. Why don't we take another break? My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doc Program. If you want to join us, phone lines are wide open, 781-837-4900 on this patchy, drizzly day. Give us a call at 781-837-4900. We'll be right back. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com slash join. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the Car Doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the Car Doctor. Our phone number again, 781-837-4900. We have about 10 minutes left of the program. Uh, let's talk to our buddy Mike from Hingham. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Car Doctor. How are you today? Good. How are you? Uh, checking my windshield. I'm checking my windshield wipers out. Well, you know, it's it's important to have good windshield wipers, and and you know, it's it's kind of funny between the the salt on the road that you know coats your windshield and gets stuck, um, and uh, you know, summertime the heat, you know, if we don't get a lot of rain and the windshield wipers are laying on the windshield and they don't get a lot of use, they kind of dry up and wear out, and it's it's important to be able to, you know, unfortunately, what happens, you know, from from you know, years ago working in a garage, people think about their windshield wipers when they rain, and then they forget about it afterwards. Yeah. So, yeah, and, you know, I don't know how many times I've seen windshield wipers on, on cars just walking through parking lots with a big chunk of rubber hanging off them. Like, why wouldn't somebody spend a little bit of money and replace the wiper blades? And they're pretty, I remember years ago a guy told me that, that a windshield wiper uh, at high speed after 15 minutes is clearing the same size as a football field. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I was told. And well, I'm going to believe that because I'm going to go right with the idea that when you wash and wax your own car, you burn a thousand calories. So yeah, I don't know if that, I don't know if that's true either, but but they both sound like good numbers. Yeah. Hey, the reason I call is if, and if you I don't know if you have mentioned this, but are you aware of this problem that's going on with the Ford engines on ambulances? It's been in the news. 
uh, both Hingham and Abington are having problems with fire engines, uh, not firemen, but uh, ambulances, I mean, that cannot get a replacement engine. Some of these vehicles have been out of service for over a year. I don't know why Ford just can't yank one off the assembly line, but it's a big problem here, uh, yeah. both in Hingham and in Abington. Yeah, I know that we actually had some of that issues with, you know, we run kind of the same cabin chassis as, as an ambulance would be. And I know I've seen some of our trucks sidelined that uh, they can't get replacement engines either. So, um, yeah, and why they don't yank it off the assembly line? They make a whole lot more money selling right. a new one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but doesn't make. I don't think yeah. you know, Hingham will buy another Ford Ford chassis again. If this is what's happened, it's like two years. I mean, you would think that the. Uh, I, I read something yesterday in an article where they are trying to force that companies have to keep at least ten years worth of parts for a car uh, available, and that's because people are keeping cars for a lot longer. Yeah, I mean, you should be able to, like my Lexus, should be able to go out and buy a, a front bushing for it. Uh, after 10 years, and yeah, that's yeah, not the way. Yeah, no, and I always, and, and and I guess I was naive, because I always thought they had to do that. But I guess it was just sort of a agreed-upon idea that, you know, manufacturers would do that. But as supplies started getting tight and, you know, just-in-time inventory and all that stuff that we talk about these days, um, that isn't the case anymore. And that, unfortunately, you know, if you... And it could be something as simple as, you know, you, you know, someone broke a side window and it's like, oh, you can't get glass for it because that piece of glass isn't made anymore. And um, I know I, I talked to or emailed back and forth with somebody that has a, that has a uh, Nissan Maxima and they've been waiting months and months for a particular part. And they're like, well, why is it taking so long? And, you know, you just, you know, unfortunately, I think too many manufacturers are falling into, well, it's supply chain issues. And, you know, some of it is, but is some of it just an excuse? Maybe. Well, you know what one of the reasons was is our pal Richard Nixon, President Nixon, he passed a law in the late, in the early 70s, which it was a tax law, which basically taxed people on inventories they had to do. And all these cost supplies, which had, you know, 1971, you could have walked into a Ford dealer and probably got a set of uh, heads for a, or, or rocker arms for a fifty, for a fifty uh, straight six, you know. Yeah. But not anymore. The law has changed, and it's it's unfortunate that we're being held captive by this. So that was my just my yeah. complaint of the day. I want to Richard, share with you. But Richard Nixon, I'm not a crook, right? Yeah, well, he sent me to yeah. Vietnam, so he's on my highest rank. <laughs> so, anyway. Before you go, I got one question for you. How's your sure. ceramic? How's your ceramic coating holding up on your Lexus? Excellent, excellent. Matter of fact, my neighbor just bought a new Volvo, one of the nineties, and I said to him, "I said you've got to get this done. It, it's excellent. I mean, I still get compliments. It shines like a diamond. It's unbelievable." And you had Very that. that you you had that done with the guys over in Hingham, right? Yeah, no, the guys are uh, Cochran over in Wayne. Cochran, Wayne, 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Weymouth guys. Yep. Yeah, they did yep. a great no. job. They do, no. And they do the car, by the way, quarterly, so that helps also, you know? Yeah. Not, yep. not so much the ceramic, but just cleaning the car. Yeah, uh, and, and let's face it, clean car makes you happy, right? It also drives better. I I agree. Yep. <laughs> hey, Michael, thank you. Bye-bye now. All right, take care. Bye-bye. So I got a, f- a few emails this week. One of them was... 
uh, about a battery settlement replacement on Subaru vehicles. And they're calling it a design defect, which causes the battery to drain. They paid for a replacement of the battery in April 2020 and replaced the battery again in March of 2023. They said, I'm not sure if the litigation has settled. The dealer said the time period for repairs replacement has expired. I paid the dealer for a new battery on March 2023. They never actually said what year their Subaru was, um, but Subaru issue, issue was an interesting one because Subaru used a smaller size battery, and in my opinion, to save weight, and they also designed the charging system so that certain times the alternator didn't charge the battery. So, it, uh, you know, the idea that there's this class action suit thing going on, um, but it did expire, so that class action suit is gone. So, uh, but um, you know, it, it looks like you're beyond the deadline. It also that you could only be eligible for a battery replacement once, so you're on your second battery. Uh, Subaru batteries, just I, I would, if I had a Subaru, I would try to put the absolute largest battery that I could put in, and know that it has plenty of reserve capacity, and that the charging system even, and the charging system has been tweaked. They did a software change to try to get it to charge more often, uh, which helped Which helped as well. Uh, before we run out of time, let's talk to Joe from Lynn. Joe, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, I, I had a couple of questions on the uh, lights, uh, halogens and all. Oh, sure. Um, last, last night I was driving, and um, a car was coming towards me. I don't know the make, but the whole front of the uh, grill was all lit up. And it was very glaring. I I don't know how they could get away with that through an inspection or or something like that. They 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 probably can't. In fact, I got stopped once. I was driving a a test a test car, and it happened to be a Mercedes. And I was driving through the center of a small town, and a and a cop pulled me over. And I said, "Why?" And and he says to me, "Oh, you got to be driving with your high beams on." And I'm like, "No, I'm not." I said, "You can look." And he goes, wow, those headlights are bright. And I'm like, yeah. I said, it's not my car. I'm just evaluating it. But, yeah, a beam, a band of lights, and it was probably an LED uh, light bar someone put in the vehicle. Uh, those are not legal. And and I almost think that, you know, there's a rule in California that things even like uh, not – I mean, we have driving lights on cars, but, you know, old-fashioned fog lights. Uh, if you're driving on the road, they have to be covered over. And I – kind of think you know for some of these people that think it looks cool to have this bright light bar but the problem is it blinds everybody going down the road so yeah that shouldn't that shouldn't be legal you know during inspection or you know if the police see it you know they should tell the people to shut it off do inspectors like pull that up when they're inspecting your car not not that i'm aware of the only time i've ever seen i have seen uh, a very fussy vehicle inspector wouldn't pass someone's car that actually had LED conversions put in, and he said these aren't legal. But for the most part, I got to tell you, I think, you know, you know, high beams, low beams, left directional, right directional, brake lights, put it in reverse, backup lights. You know, that's really all they really look for. You know, the other stuff, I guess, you know, the idea is they switch it off and they go, oh no, I only use this when I'm, you know, driving on the road by myself or something. So. You know, do do they fail a car for it? I haven't seen any regulation that says inspectors should fail a car for added lighting. Hmm. 
Oh, is there a book like the regulations that you can uh, get off the internet? Yeah, if you go to the Mass RMV website and look for mm-hmm. vehicle inspection, you can read the safety inspection rules and regulations. Oh, okay. Okay. And then, and finally, I just wanted to say, uh, I saw on TV one time they had not sold in stores. They had um, headlight glasses you could put on that took the glare away from the headlights. I never bought one, bought any, but I wonder if you had ever heard of them. I I I have, and people tell me if you have light color eyes, blue or hazel eyes, they seem to work pretty good. If you have brown eyes like I do, don't spend your money. Okay. Okay. okay All right. Yeah. Thanks, Joe. That music Bye-bye. means we need to go. Uh, we've used up an hour of your time, and thank you for listening. Thank you for Jesse for doing the phenomenal job he does back on the board, and of course our friend Lauren Paterno for helping us as well today. Until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt. Drive safely and be good to your car. And if you see an emergency vehicle by the side of the road, slow down or move over. It saves lives. Talk to you all soon. Bye-bye.